This is Machine Language, the podcast hosted by Manufacturing Automation Magazine. You've tuned in to hear conversations with industry experts on the latest industrial automation technologies and trends in Canada's manufacturing sector. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Machine Language. I'm your host, Christina Urquhart, editor of Manufacturing Automation Magazine. Additive manufacturing, also known as 3D printing, is increasingly being used to produce strong, complex, custom parts made of metal. But due to the high costs of metal powders and the machine tools required to print them, the metal 3D printing process is currently largely limited to low-volume parts in the aerospace and biomedical fields. So what's required to make the technology more suitable for other manufacturing industries, including automotive, nuclear, and oil and gas? The University of Waterloo and the National Research Council, or NRC, are looking to answer that question with their recently announced seven-year R&D collaboration. The partnership will see the research centers investigate new powders, process optimization, testing, and validation for metal additive manufacturing in an effort to lower production costs for manufacturers. Joining me today are Mihaela Vlasia, an assistant professor at the University of Waterloo in the Multiscale Additive Manufacturing Laboratory, and Diana Ficini, team leader at the NRC's new research facility in Mississauga, Ontario, which will be the hub for the research team. Mihaela and Diana are here to talk to us about the challenges and benefits of metal 3D printing, as well as what manufacturers can expect from the collaboration over the next seven years. Thank you for joining us, Diana and Mihaela. Well, thank you for having us here. So I wanted to start by having you define metal additive manufacturing and maybe talk a little bit about the ways that it differs from 3D printing with a composite material in terms of setup and cost for manufacturers. Additive manufacturing really refers to the process of joining units of materials together to create complex parts from a digital 3D model. And uh, really, these materials can be metals, ceramics, or polymers. The terminology of additive manufacturing, or AM, is generally the standard nomenclature for such processes. And uh, we typically use 3D printing as the more informal name. Uh, Now, when comparing metal with polymer printing, metals generally require a higher energy source and a more controlled processing atmosphere to melt and fuse materials together. This is one of the general drivers behind the higher costs, typically for metal AM processes. In addition, when working with metals, the material and material handling costs and complexity are generally higher as well, now when compared to with polymers. Now, irrespective of the type of material processed, by virtue of building parts, really one unit of material at a time, additive manufacturing or 3D printing unlocks uh, really the potential to create parts with complex features and uh, unique material properties at the same time. So this is one of the many reasons behind the increase uh, in popularity of additive manufacturing or 3D printing processes, as uh, we call them. You just mentioned, I mean, it is becoming increasingly popular, but it can be cost prohibitive and difficult for a manufacturer to scale. So could you shed some light on the challenges that are associated with metal additive manufacturing in particular? Indeed, when uh, considering scalability, three general challenges come to mind, uh, specifically for manufacturers. And uh, these challenges are, for instance, the speed at which parts are fabricated, the size of parts that can be produced, and process quality. 
Uh, however, these three barriers are constantly being eroded. For instance, to address speed, uh, we see emerging technologies uh, that now allow for faster production. For instance, by using multiple um, energy sources to speed up the printing process. To address size, we see now in the last couple of years technologies that allow for larger build chambers to accommodate for either large parts or for batch production. To address quality, for instance, we see machines that are starting to deploy sensors to monitor and to control the quality of production. Um, now, when considering costs, uh, which you mentioned uh, just now, AM tech becomes really a viable production option only when there is a competitive advantage to using such technologies when compared to uh, conventional manufacturing. Generally, the competitive advantage comes from design freedoms and tailored material properties. Specifically, when considering the powder alloys available for metal AM, there's a big need to innovate in this space. For instance, uh, there's a need to increase the library of materials available for production and a need to lower the cost of raw materials, as well as a need to enable innovative recycling strategies. I just wanted to jump on that because, you know, at the same time, we have a really strong primary metal sector in Canada with some of the largest powder producers in the world. Uh, now, they serve a wide range of uses that include the transformation into manufactured goods, including additive manufacturing, as well as for coatings, for catalysts, for chemical processes or in consumables like welding processes. So what's really exciting is how this demand among the additive manufacturing community for a greater selection and lower cost materials now becomes an opportunity for metal powder producers and will ultimately lead to value creation for Canadian companies at both ends of the value chain. So I would imagine that was one of the drivers of this new partnership that the University of Waterloo and the NRC have embarked on. And you were both working together in some capacity on Metal AM before this. Could you tell us a little bit about the progress that you had made so far? Yes, I should uh, say that there's a fairly long history of collaboration between the uh, University of Waterloo and NRC in this space. For quite a few years now, the two groups have joined efforts in multiple areas, one of them being, uh, for instance, modeling of the physics behind metal additive manufacturing processes, characterization of powder properties, and characterization of parts. So these exciting projects have really brought together researchers and students to explore scientific questions and uh, most importantly, to solve some of the uh, industry challenges. So there was some history there to begin with. Yeah, this collaborative work with the University of Waterloo and additive manufacturing was largely undertaken by our advanced manufacturing and materials research teams in London, Ontario, and Boucherville, Quebec. So as we were establishing our first research presence in the greater Toronto area in Mississauga, and we had this focus on advanced materials, including in metal powders, it was really natural to seek out an opportunity to capitalize on this past success with the University of Waterloo and uh, really try and expand the relationship. What led to the decision to expand that partnership? From our end, we were starting to build upon um, a really rich history that the NRC had and deep expertise in Boucherville in the area of powder characterization and processing for powder metallurgy, coupled with the potential for Canadian industry receptors in the area of powder production, as well as some regional strengths in southwestern Ontario for uh, additive manufacturing, 
that's what drove us to establish at our new facility the capacity to synthesize metal powders for additive manufacturing and for other applications. You know, with a strong track record of innovation and leadership in additive manufacturing and in uh, having complementary expertise to the NRC um, and a very industry-oriented approach, the University of Waterloo was viewed as our ideal partner to help accelerate the development and transition to industrial use of metal additive manufacturing materials and processes. And to add on to that, uh, really the idea of a formal collaboration stemmed from a series of discussions between NRC and uh, the University of Waterloo representatives back in 2018. And uh, really at that time, the question was, how can we work together in a complementary fashion to optimize funding resources for the benefit of industry and towards scientific discovery? And uh, as such, uh, we identified at the University of Waterloo that while we did have mature competency and infrastructure in uh, metal uh, additive manufacturing R&D, we had a significant gap in uh, material synthesis and recycling capabilities. So the partnership with the NRC in these areas was seen as a, a strategic step forward for our team as well. There's opportunities in powder synthesis in markets outside of additive manufacturing that have been brought to us by uh, the University of Waterloo that we hadn't thought about before. So it's really been beneficial both in the area of additive and outside of it. I would say uh, this really has broadened our network in terms of what we can do collaboratively, again, for the benefit of our students, researchers, as well as industry. So I'm uh, I'm really excited to continue this on even beyond the seven-year mandate of the uh, research program. So you mentioned the synthesis of powders being one of the main drivers of this partnership, but I know that you have multiple objectives. Maybe you can uh, walk through what those are. It's really a collaborative framework under which we will undertake together a number of projects over our seven-year partnership. And so this framework allows the NRC and the University of Waterloo to rapidly launch multiple projects, both together and also with industry partners, to address some of the key pain points for metal additive manufacturing adoption. And uh, from a technical perspective, to add on to what Diana had said, this framework really allows our teams to explore areas where we can lower the barriers of uh, technology adoption for industry. So for instance, some examples uh, can be expanding the range of materials available for metal additive manufacturing processes, developing new materials and operating processing parameters for higher productivity, increasing the efficiency of additive manufacturing processes by looking at waste reduction through powder material recycling strategies, and really providing the industry with the opportunity to explore technology adoption for real-world applications. You mentioned that there's going to be a series of projects. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the goalposts that you have in place and what the next seven years are really going to look like. At the moment, we're rapidly building our new competencies and uh, capacity really fueled by uh, both the NRCs and the University of Waterloo's joint investments in uh, new state-of-the-art infrastructure and uh, highly skilled personnel. Even though we're at early stages, it's really crucial that we uh, actively involve industry and gain their participation so that we can realize some of the most relevant and timely project outcomes, even early on, that can give the maximum benefit um, to these investments. And I wanted to mention um, that although we have just started uh, on this uh, wonderful collaboration, Uh, The program has been quite exciting. This uh, collaborative framework has enabled our teams to plan out strategic projects, as uh, Diana mentioned. And we already have such projects, about three of them ongoing. 
And uh, we would like to engage with multiple faculty at the University of Waterloo and uh, with multiple researchers within NRC by supporting at least two to four collaborative projects per year, again, in partnership with industry uh, as best as possible. Uh, because the goal is to address really this uh, talent gap in the additive manufacturing sector by educating and training students and researchers and um, explore scientific discovery, but most importantly, and enable technology transfer to Canadian industry. So we think that this framework is well poised to do that over the next seven years. Are you able to discuss any of those projects that you've started specifically and how they'll ultimately affect manufacturers? So you mentioned um, a few times that cost and um, scalability are, are two issues in Metal AM. And really, material cost is only one part of the problem uh, when we're looking at material availability. The availability of the right material chemistries to result in better part properties for industrial applications is another aspect. So we're looking to tackle both material cost as well as material availability for metal additive manufacturing processes. So uh, just to give you an example, uh, one of our ongoing projects at the moment, we're looking to tackle cost of production for additive manufacturing processes. So we're looking to understand how the material properties change as the powders are processed numerous times through metal AM machines. This will allow us to understand, for instance, what is the life cycle of the powder and how we may expand or extend that life cycle and how we may recycle these powders as well. So these are just a few examples of how we're looking um, to, to address the materials gap in uh, metal additive manufacturing through our collaborative efforts. So when you say that you might be able to extend the life cycle, would that be by putting additional additives into the materials? That is uh, one area that we are exploring. Uh, so looking at uh, not only the chemistry of the powders, as you mentioned, by looking at additives, but also looking at what happens to the powder morphology or the shape of the powder as it's being processed numerous times. Uh, what's happening to the powder size distribution as the powders are being processed numerous times. So what can we do to account for those changes, either through changes of our material handling strategies on a day-to-day -day as we are printing, or via um, recycling strategies, for instance, by deploying the plasma atomization technique that's uh, being installed at the um, NRC Mississauga site. So all of these are really exciting opportunities to explore this, um, this question. The NRC, as part of this partnership, provided nearly $2.6 million worth of equipment. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what that equipment is and how it has been used and how it's going to be used as part of the new framework. This equipment is actually a joint investment of the $2.6 million from the NRC, as well as a million dollars from the University of Waterloo with equipment that's going to be placed both at NRC Mississauga and the University of Waterloo and accessible to both our organizations and to industry. Um, so the equipment that's going to be installed at the NRC in Mississauga includes a uh, powder synthesis and spheridization system along with powder processing and characterization equipment. 
So these will enable us to develop new additive manufacturing powders, to process unconventional powder precursors, to maybe render them more suitable to additive manufacturing processes, and to recycle or recondition spent powders from uh, additive manufacturing processes. So this powder processing and handling equipment and characterization equipment also complements the extended suite of material synthesis, characterization, and testing equipment that we're going to have available at the NRC in Mississauga. So to add to what Diana mentioned, uh, the equipment hosted at the University of Waterloo will complement the already existing metal additive manufacturing production facilities at the multi-scale additive manufacturing lab by adding, for instance, the capability to integrate sensors such as high-speed imaging and thermometry to observe the additive manufacturing processes and to optimize these processes, uh, as well as we are adding on to our already existing suite of part characterization equipment. One of these pieces is a really exciting robotic instrument that can allow us to batch multiple parts inside a computed tomography machine to be able to visualize, for instance, defects in parts, uh, as well as, for instance, a piece of equipment that looks at uh, residual stresses inside components and many other pieces of equipment that really help us truly understand what's happening with additive manufacturing processes from powder to part. Mihaela, I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the multi-scale additive manufacturing lab and if there's a way that manufacturers can get involved directly. Yeah, in uh, in the field of metal AM in specific, uh, we find that industry often finds it challenging to explore technology adoption on their own. And this is due to the high capital investment costs needed to set up and run equipment as well as, of course, ensuring that they have the right trained personnel to execute R&D. So therefore, one of our mandates is really to offer um, an environment where industry can explore almost all classes of metal additive manufacturing technologies, all under one roof, to learn what fits best for their problem, really. This, uh, we hope, de-risks R&D for industry and uh, allows for exploration in what we think is an unbiased environment. And as a result, uh, our multi-scale additive manufacturing lab at the University of Waterloo is currently engaged with more than 25 companies, three research centers, and other universities to address R&D challenges in this space. And we work with industry partners across multiple sectors, such as the energy, automotive, aerospace, defense, and biomedical. And uh, we span really interesting projects from developing the next generation of metal additive manufacturing machines to optimizing materials to optimizing designs or process parameters for specific end-use applications, uh, as well as looking at data science to improve process performance. So we're overall very excited to see what the future holds in the field of uh, metal additive manufacturing and how we may be able to contribute in that space. Diana, I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, how the NRC is working to advance technology for the manufacturing industry outside of this partnership. So the NRC has really played an important role to the Canadian manufacturing sector throughout its 100-year history. So we collaborate with manufacturing companies across their value chains to conduct research, development, demonstration, and technology transfer activities uh, with real focus on trying to increase manufacturing efficiency, sustainability, and agility. 
uh, industry can engage with us in a variety of ways. For example, through our service offerings like research and engineering services, advisory services, technical expertise, accessing facilities and infrastructure, accessing funding and testing. And we can also address more complex industry challenges by uh, promoting larger scale projects that require multidisciplinary research teams, for example, through things like collaboration centers or industrial R&D groups. And so when we do this, we draw upon a really rich and diverse set of technical competencies located in kind of our six advanced manufacturing focused research facilities uh, across Canada in Montreal, Boucherville, Ottawa, Saguenay, London, and Mississauga. And our specialties span things like advanced materials, digital manufacturing, modeling and simulation, robotics and automation, AI and big data, among many others. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure talking to you and hearing more about what you're going to be doing together over the next seven years, and it sounds like beyond. Thank you so much. It's a lot of fun, and Christina, I appreciate your thoughtful questions. Thanks again to Mihaela Vlasia at the University of Waterloo and Diana Facini at the National Research Council. For more information about the Multiscale Additive Manufacturing Lab and the NRC, visit msam-waterloo.ca and nrc.canada.ca. As for us, you can find more episodes of Machine Language online at automationmag.com slash podcasts, or join the conversation on Twitter at AutomationMag, and on LinkedIn by searching Manufacturing Automation. I'm Christina Urquhart, and that's it for today's episode of Machine Language. Thanks for tuning in.